Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Poppers podcast with your host, Adam O'Reilly, reporting live from the Mind Poppers basement. So let's get straight into it. I want to give you a follow-up on what we were talking about last time, the mysterious messages that I've been getting on these dating apps and where has it gone so far. Since I put up the podcast last week, talking about my experience, if you haven't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just listen to the start of the last episode. We talk about these mysterious messages that I've been getting from... This mysterious person account, we don't know who it is, although I have a theory, um, and I've been getting these messages, you know, from 10 separate accounts, all using the same picture that seem to be targeting me in particular. So when I put out this podcast, last week, some people got in touch with me in regards to this mystery person. Someone messaged me on Instagram and said, OMG. Just listening to your podcast and I 100% have had a conversation with this blank profile person. I legit got the pictures and recognised the person and then saw them on Instagram saying that someone was using their pictures on Grindr so I blocked but this was after maybe 15 minutes of decent conversation. Thankfully I haven't had the same thing happen to you over and over again. I replied, OMG, what did he look like? And boom. It was the picture, the picture that has been haunting me for the last couple of weeks. That dead-eyed blonde, (laughs) I shouldn't read because in case this person actually is, you know, someone is using this person as a catfish. So this blonde, blue-eyed person, the same picture that I've been seeing that's haunted me for the last couple of weeks has haunted me. Um, So I didn't really know what to do, you know, with this information. You know, I I told this person who sent me in the message that, you know, I'm not actually sure. And like I said in the last podcast, I'm not sure if that person, because like I said, this person, so I'm using in quotations, the real person, you know, had been posting on their socials that, you know, oh, someone's using my account or no, someone is using my pictures. Someone's using my pictures and sending them back then to my socials. Which, you know what, something didn't smell right to me. And I said that in the last episode. Something just didn't smell right to me. And I'll tell you why. I'll explain it again. Because I am friends, I guess, with, in the quotations, the real person on Snapchat. So I guess the, the logic that the, the real person is using is that the, the catfish who's been targeting me is providing the, the links to the, the real person's social media. I guess that that is the the string of... Of what they're saying, basically. Now, like I said, I don't know if there is a real and a fake person. I think it's the one person. Um, and it gets in more interesting. Anyway, like I said, I had contacted the, the real person on Snapchat. And I was like, y- you need to stop harassing me. And then this person was like, what, what, what? And there, I explained to them that I've been getting, you know, like these messages from the fake profiles, you know, constantly, like every second day. Um, and I was like, I'm getting tired of it, you know, it's lost its appeal, whatever. I'm just like, stop, okay? It's no big deal, just stop. The person wrote back and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I would certainly never harass you. Um, and said, oh, someone's been using my pictures on the different uh, dating apps and then sending them back to my socials. And you know why I didn't believe it? And I, and I still don't know. You know, it's sketchy to me because, right, if I was catfishing someone... Or sorry, if someone was using my pictures, I mean like, oh, and I got that message being like, oh, you need to stop harassing me, whatever. And I was in like the full knowledge that someone was like using my pictures and doing this. 
like I said last week, I'd be like, okay, I need you to send me all the screenshots you have, all the pictures that you were using, everything, because, you know, as me, as someone who's going to be, like, stealing my identity or whatever, I want to, like, see the language the person uses. I want to see the way they write. I want to see the way they spell. I want to pick up on any little traces that I can to link it back to the real person. Because you best believe if someone is out there harassing people using my photos, I'm going to get to the bottom of it, you know? That is something that is going to pique my interest. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. This person didn't want any of that. They didn't ask for the receipts. They didn't ask for the pictures, the the messages. They didn't even ask what we were talking about. All things to me as a as a rational person, I would I would want all that. I would want to know like what they're saying. You know how much they're saying they're me. How much they know about me. You know what are they saying to you? Of course, if someone's using your image and out there posing as you, you're going to want to know every single thing you can. You're going to want to build a file on that person. You know none of that just sorry oh I certainly never would harass you and that's all I got you know and to me mm -mm, something something wasn't adding up something wasn't adding up you know because this person was so nonchalant like oh my god it's happening oh I'm so sorry about that no that is not a rational thing okay no one is that unbothered by someone stealing their identity okay so that is why I've always been like "Mm -mm, something ain't right so I got a second message on Instagram um, from a girl whose friend um, had been going out with a guy before and she sent me a picture of the guy or whatever the picture of the guy because remember I said last week that's I've been like being harassed by this uh, this account these fake 10 accounts okay that new account every day fake account um, and all using the same pictures of this this blonde guy with the exception of the original um the original account that started harassing me used a different picture of a guy with dark hair um, great body like I said you can go back and listen to the last episode if you want to hear more about that but like I said so completely different and that's why I never linked the two these two kind of accounts together I never linked I mean I, I was suspicious for sure with this first account the guy with the dark hair and then the further 10 accounts that the guy the reason this blonde the blonde hair so this girl, right, contacted me on Instagram, sent me a picture of this guy. And she said that she had found out that when this guy had started going out with her friend, that what he had done was created, um, like, several of these fake accounts, like something that's, like, happening to me right now, and would use these fake accounts to talk to guys and get to know guys and get to know everything about them, the person life, what have you, and keep building, building this information bank on the people that they're talking to. And then as themselves using their own account and their real image or whatever would go and pursue the guy that they wanted to, to go out with or have sex with or bang or what have you. And they'd use the information that they've built up on the fake accounts to be able to manipulate these guys into, you know, into like falling for them quicker or, you know, being more at ease feeling more comfortable being like talked into whatever because you're obviously going to feel like you know you have like this immediate like amazing connection with someone you know unbeknownst to you this person has actually been talking to you and have been gathering your information your secrets your your dreams your hopes whatever and now is used and weaponizing that against you to get what they want out of you you know sexually wise what have you or even if it is just to pursue a relationship obviously it is fucked up it is fucked in the head um so, so I'm like, now I'm like, is it this person? Is it this person, you know, who's been gathering information up on me, you know? Or else am I just like completely being like, oh my God. <laughs> like, is there someone out there who would go to the trouble and harass me for weeks really just to get to know me that much? I don't think so. <laughs> but the mystery, it, I, I don't know where, it, where it's leading. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to the bottom of it. So again, um... Over the weekend, I was contacted again by the fake account, okay? So talking away, again, it was a blank profile. And as I suspected, boom. Picture of the blonde guy. Different picture this time. But a picture of the blonde guy, nonetheless, same guy. I was like, oh, sweet Lord, not you again. But I I, I had to pursue this in a more investigative approach so instead of just like having this, the normal back and forth like I would with this fake account that's been harassing me for weeks you know now what I wanted to do was talk like like I was already talking to this person I was talking to the real person you know because I, cause like I said I, I was I had become friends with them on Snapchat so now I was like I, I'm gonna call the person Joe um, 
just for, for legal reasons. I'm going to call the person Joe. So obviously this fake account had written to me, you know, where you're using the image of Joe or whatever. And like I said, like, I still think that, that Joe, that the Joe fake account and the Joe real account, I believe that they're the same person, you know, I believe it's real Joe, you know, on these fake accounts. But I, I was writing back to Joe, to fake Joe, um, kind of pretending all along that I've been talking to real Joe. So when I got the message, I was like, oh, I was like, why are you writing to me on this? Um, I was like, why haven't you opened my Snapchat? Or, you know, I was saying like, oh, what was the, you know, what did you say um, was the TV show that you were watching the other day that you told me to watch? You know, making it out like I was having these real conversations with uh, real Joe and acting as if I thought that fake Joe was real Joe. You know, and, and I knew that they wasn't. And I could tell that I caught the, the fake Joe by surprise. It was kind of like, uh, he didn't really know what to say. He was giving very vague answers because, again, he didn't want to contradict anything that, I guess, r- either real Joe may have said that he doesn't know or if they're the same person, which I believe that that is the case, they're kind of like, okay, well, what the fuck is going on here? I'm, I'm clearly getting, you know, some sort of punked or whatever. So I had continued the conversation on for maybe 15 minutes, you know, acting as if I'd been talking to the real Joe. And I'm like, oh my God, I know that you're the real Joe too. Kind of a thing, if that makes sense. Count deletes itself. All the messages disappear, okay? Within, um, I guess, an hour of this account deleting itself. Now a new profile appeared on the dating apps with this person's okay so it was joe again right except joe now wasn't a blank profile anymore joe was using the two photos that he had sent me of of the blonde guy of blonde joe who's now using the two photos and for you know just for all appearances it looked like a, a like just a normal real account so there was just joe suddenly after all of this and i'm just not buying it i'm not buying it at all and i'm kind of at the place now where I'm like, do I contact the person on Snapchat again? Maybe ask them, you know, because I would really want to contact the people on Snapchat and ask them, would they be interested in talking to me on the podcast? about I want to get real Joe on the podcast and see what he has to say. And then I guess a part of me is apprehensive about that because you know where I stand right now. I believe that fake Joe and real Joe are the same person. So I'm kind of stuck now. I haven't received any messages in the last couple of days from, from the fake account. Because I guess now they're an impasse where they don't really know what to do. And again, I'm none the wiser because I still can't find any concrete evidence that fake Joe and real Joe are the same person. It's just my gut intuition. So I'm kind of debating now whether or not I just bite the bullet and see if I can get real, and I guess I say real in quotations, real Joe on the podcast. In saying that though, if I do extend the invitation to, in quotations, real Joe to come on the podcast and, you know, help me get to the bottom of this, then real Joe is also going to listen to the podcast and hear all the information and all the theories that I've collected on him so far, which I mean, is going to be quite offensive if, if God, if he, if this poor kid is being catfish. But it will also, if this person is the master manipulator that I think that they are, it will, you know, jeopardize my entire investigation, you know? So I don't really know what my next move in this mystery is yet. I really don't know. In other news, moving away from from the harassment and what have you. It was my birthday yesterday. And if you're like me, birthdays can often be an epicenter for great pain. Like, let's just not beat around the bush for great fucking pain. You know, because for me, like birthdays, it's always like, it is that one day a year where we just put like tremendous pressure on ourselves. It just feels like a birthdays for me just feel like such a pressure cooker. Because, you know, the day of your birthday, you're obviously that year older. And there's just this, a, a lot of pressure in terms of, you know, for me, it's a time of like great introspection and, you know, resentment. Because it kind of forces you to look at, at your life and where you are now on your path and your journey. I hate the word journey. <laughs> but you, it kind of makes you question, like, am I where I thought I'd be at the age of 26, at the wee old age of 26? Am I where I thought I'd be at 26? You know, do I feel fulfilled? Am I getting joy of where I am in my life right now? You know, I'm not. I'm not. Um... And it's just this whole thing. It just makes you question, like, you know, did I think I'd be here now? You know, um, do I feel do I feel fulfilled by my career? You know, 
do I feel like I'm on the path right now where it will take me to a point where I will be fulfilled by my career? Does it bring me any joy? And that is just something that I'm trying to like just ask myself right now on everything. Because again, on your birthday, of course, you know, you're going to look at your love life. You're going to look at your relationship. You're, you know, the person that you have in your life, your significant other or your lack of a significant other, your sex life, your lack of a sex life, what have you. And you're going to ask yourself, is this what I want? You know, at the age of whatever age you turn, you're like, do I feel like I'm on the right track now with my sex life, with my romantic life? Do I feel fulfilled you know, do I feel like I'm in love? Have I met my soulmate? You know, am I just wasting my time? You know, all these different pursuits. And on your birthday, you question, right, is this, you know, am I am I where I thought I'd be? Am I where I should be? And a big thing for me this year in the whole reflection of, of the birthday is asking myself in regards to all things across the board, does it bring me joy? Does it bring me joy? joy okay because I've potentially unless I do the chirogenic freezing thing you know if that technology kind of advances in the next you know couple of decades you know I could potentially be right now through one quarter of my life 25% of my life could already be over and and that's it that's it turn off the microphone 25% of my life could be you know already over Oh my god, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. It's just that that's <laughs> it's just that statement. Twenty five percent of my life is already over. Twenty five percent of my life is already over, and I'm at the point now where I have to ask. Right for the rest seventy five percent of my life coming, I have to ask: Does this bring me joy? Does this bring me joy? I mean, like surely. I mean, like if I've seventy, if I've only seventy five percent of my life left to live. Like, surely it is my own responsibility, my duty to myself to fill it with things that only bring me joy. Otherwise, what's the point? What is the point of filling what little life you have with things that make you miserable? Honestly, I'm asking because I don't got the answers. Because <laughs> there's plenty of misery here. Um, another thing for me with birthdays is, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, Adam, I bet you love your birthday. I bet you love being the center of attention, you know, just for one day of the year, waking up and being the center of attention. No, absolutely not. It is something that has never brought me joy. And I can look back, you know, on my childhood and I don't look back fondly with these like memories of like birthdays. I don't. I mean, I had birthday parties for sure, just like everybody else, unless you're Jehovah's Witness. Um... But I don't look back to those memories and, and feel any great feeling of joy or nostalgia. I, I really, really don't. Birthdays, as, as long as I can remember, have always been something, you know, negative to me. That's something that has, you know, been a source of, of deep pain. And this whole, like, centre of attention thing, no. You wake up one day a year for doing nothing and you're the centre of attention for being born. That is like a medal of participation. And I don't want a medal of participation. Okay, you know, being the centre of the tension is something you work for. You work for the centre of the tension. You walk into that room and you command it. You look every eye in that bitch sitting around the table and they have to like unanimously agree that they are going to make you the centre of attention. You can't just walk in being the centre of attention. Being the centre of attention it is something that is bestowed upon you by the others in the room, by the other, there could be 99 other people in the room, you guys, you know? So being the centre of attention, it means nothing when it's handed to you on a silver platter. It means absolutely nothing, you know? Like getting an Oscar. It's like being the centre of attention is like getting an Oscar, you guys, you know? An Oscar means nothing if it's just handed to you. You win an Oscar, you know? You win centre of attention, you know? So this whole like, oh, you lo- I bet you love being the centre of attention on your birthday. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Being the centre of attention is something you work for. You walk into a room, you have a hilarious joke to de- tell, an anecdote, a story. You blow them away. You blow them away because you look so damn good walking into the room. You know, you blow them away because you sing. Like Christina Aguilera. You blow people away. Centre of attention is not something that could just be donated to you. No, you claim it. You take it. Um, so that's that on that. I do not like this whole, like, waking up at the day of your birthday and everyone being like, oh, happy birthday. I hate that. I hate unconsensual centre of attentionism. I hate it. I hate it. If I want to be the centre of the tension, then best believe it's because I'm going to be it and I'm going to command the room. You know, I'm going to do that. But no one will give it to me. I don't want it, you know? Don't want something unless I have to fight for it. 
Um, and you know what, for me, as someone who has like a high functioning, like anxiety disorder, just the thought of all these people, like knowing that they're going to reach out to me on my birthday, it gives me the heebie-jeebies, you know, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And like people who, okay, let's just do this. The people who are like still doing the whole Facebook happy birthday thing, you know, which we all did back in the day, you know, you'd see whose birthday was. You might not even know the bitch, but you're friends with them on Facebook. You're sending them out a happy birthday, maybe a cake emoji. It depends. Um, but that's over. That is over. The, the whole Facebook happy birthday thing, it's had its moment, it's done. No longer should you feel insulted on your birthday if someone, you know, sees it's your birthday and they don't write happy birthday to you or post on your wall. Ugh, it actually makes me feel sick even talking about it. Or nor should you feel guilty not writing and posting on someone's wall on Facebook. For those of you who are still even on Facebook, um, you shouldn't feel guilty about not posting on someone's wall because it's over, it's done, it's had its moment. The whole Facebook birthday thing is finito no one does that anymore it is it's just it's over it had its moment in the sun it is over it's dead i mean since you all have birthdays you know a little mind popper in regards to birthdays birthdays haven't always existed as we know them you know because you have to think back to early civilization when we didn't have calendars you know we did we didn't really know what was going on you know every there was a time you know every night the sun went down and people thought it was the end of the world um but it was eventually in early civilization when they started, you know, tracking the movements of the moon, the different uh, lunar cycles, what have you, that they were able to kind of, you know, break that down into like a, a construct of time that humans could understand, you know, like the passing of seasons and what have you. Um, but I kind of, I guess it goes back to like pagan things, especially with the Greeks and Romans. I think it was like the, the lunar goddess, like Artemis or something. Um, I think the Greeks like used to bake cakes, you know, in offering to her um in the shape of i guess moons and they, they, the purpose was they'd stick candles in it to, to give this like kind of a luminescent kind of glow of a moon so i think guess that's where we get the whole like birthday candle kind of a thing um and it goes back to the egyptians around 3000 bc um the, the, the first kind of recount of a birthday that we know the egyptians used to do when when one of their i guess leaders would, would become a pharaoh and when they believed in one of their leaders they would say uh, Tutankhamun became pharaoh that is the day that they became a god so that's how they start celebrating their birthdays it was the day that their their leaders became pharaohs but, but when they became gods when they became part of the divine so birthdays in their very early instances weren't for the everyday person they weren't it wasn't until kind of like around the roman culture it was when kind of we had men um prosperous men in society in early roman civilization they would start to celebrate their birthdays and you know they might have a days and a day named after them in the roman calendar or what have you and then eventually it kind of became more accessible it wasn't just the rich and the nobles that were celebrating their birthday it was kind of like the everyday man women really at this time still weren't really permitted to celebrate their birthday not necessarily that if they weren't even permitted but i don't even think it was a thing I think it was kind of like, you know, obviously patriarchal society. It was like, well, gals, you know, what do you have to celebrate for? Kind of a thing. Um, and then I think it was around 12, the 12th century when women started celebrating their birthdays as well. And then, of course, the song, the happy, um, the happy birthday to you. Um, actually, actually someone, I think it was the Hill Sisters, actually wrote that and still own the rights to that happy birthday to you song. And they pull in, I don't know, don't ask me how you can police the happy birthday song, but their estate, I presume they're dead by now, because I think it was actually, song came about in around 1933. Their estate still pulls in two million uh, US dollars a year on, I guess, I, I don't know what, for people using it. Um, but so their estate is still putting in two million a year for people singing happy birthday. I don't know how, but it's happening. So a mind popper that has really kind of jumped up to the fore again in the last couple of weeks is this whole movement of the Free Britney. Free Britney. So if you haven't heard of this, um, it's this movement done, I guess, carried out by people online, I guess, fans of the singer, you know, pop icon Britney Spears, who claim that there was some very shady shit going on between her and her father. And I had, had heard this but apparently every time the movement gains some sort of traction online, the father, Britney's father, has a big legal team that comes in and kind of puts everything down. Like removes all the hashtags and that kind of thing. Apparently it's meant to be a big cover up. And apparently Britney is almost, it's, it's basically imprisoned within her own house. Um, and my understanding of the whole thing was, 
something happened around the time of Britney Spears' mental breakdown where her father gained some sort of authority over her finances, her, her businesses, um, and potentially her children, you know, in terms of um, custody and what have you. But I, I could never really find a whole lot of information until I came across this post in regards to the Free Britney movement. And I'm going to read it out to you guys now. Because I always knew that there was something up with Britney Spears. You know, to me, Britney Spears has always been the most, I guess, manufactured girl in pop. She's always been the most manufactured girl in pop. She's almost like something that was created in a laboratory. Um, When I was on the podcast with Jenny and Lindsay, we were doing an episode on conspiracy theories. Uh, Jenny talked about, uh, you know, Britney and the, the whole thing about is she using her real voice? You know, there's there's clips out there and it'll be like, okay, this is Britney's real voice and this is the voice that they make her sing in. Now, it's not necessarily that she sings in that tone, but it's, you know, the effects, the production that make her sound like that. And th- this post that I'm about to read you actually explains why they've changed her voice. Apparently, she's a naturally very deep voice and, and, and she's a, a beautiful singer. And if you look back at the uh, in her childhood, you, you can watch clips of her singing and she does have a very deep voice. Um, which is completely opposite, com- completely polarizing to the this manufactured, you know, baby voice that we've all come to know Britney for the kind of kind of thing that kind of a thing, you know. So I'm going to read this to you now, and it explains it in detail. I was shook. I was shook when I read this. A PSA on Britney Spears and the hashtag Free Britney movement for anyone that needs or wants more information on what is going on with her. It's a fucking rabbit hole. So buckle up. A little backstory first. Britney was a child star, starting at the age of four years old on Broadway, and then worked her way to the Mickey Mouse Club, and eventually the solo career we know today. Her career has been an autopilot her entire life. If you look at her music, she's been telling everyone for years... She's too controlled and treated as a product. If you listen to the lyrics of most of her hits, examples include Lucky, Overprotected, My Prerogative, Circus, Piece of Me and Gimme More. Her music videos, social media posts, tour props and photo shoots regularly show her in a cage or in chains. If anyone has ever seen real videos of her when she was younger, you'd know her real singing voice is very similar to Christina Aguilera's. Her record label didn't like it as they were both on the Mickey Mouse Club and about to release their debut albums at the same time. Okay, so this first, this, this, this first post in, in this big like exposure of what is, the, what is the, the free Britney movement and what's really going on with Britney Spears, they claim that Britney's real voice is actually similar to that of Christina Aguilera. And when you hear them now, like if you were to, you know, play their music side by side now, God, you'd think there, there couldn't be any more opposite. Britney is like, oh yeah. Whereas Christina's the, <laughs> sorry, I had, a... <laughs> I had about five fags for breakfast. But you know what I mean? Two polarizing voices. So this would be mind blowing to me if Britney actually does sound, her real voice, her real singing voice sounds a lot like Christina Aguilera's. And the, I guess, the, the production company, the label, you know, manufactured this baby voice electronically because they didn't want, you know, Britney and Christina, you know, releasing around the same, releasing their debut albums around the same time, both being known for working together, you know, the Mickey Mouse Club or what have you, and to have the same sound, you know, because there's very few people that can sing like Christina Aguilera. She's truly the voice of a generation, you know? So was it a point where maybe they thought that Britney wouldn't be able to compete with Christina Aguilera? I don't know. And, and, but the, now, what, what the Post did say something that I, I'm, I do find a little sceptical is, you know, when they said if you listen to the lyrics of most of her hits, examples include Lucky Overprotected, My Prerogative, Circus, Peace of Me, Give Me More, what have you, that she's like leaving clues? I, I don't think so. You know, if she's un, under the censorship, which we'll get into, I don't know how easily, you know, she's going to be able to, because she's not writing her own songs. Okay, Britney's not writing her own songs. Anyway, let's go on. So they had her voice retrained to sing in the baby voice we all know today because they believed it would be more iconic and would create a brand and career for her instead of her real voice. It's unhealthy and it has been destroying her voice over the years. Thus why she is known for lip syncing. She wanted to make an acoustic type album, an acoustic type pop album in 2006 titled Original Doll and reinvent herself using her real voice. 
The album was shelved and cancelled once her label realised she would be singing in her real voice. She isn't allowed to sing live because she will either fail terribly or she will have to sing in her deep voice that she isn't known for. Her entire career she has been treated like a product meant to sell. Now for the real tea. Everyone remembers the 2007 meltdown. Everyone. Leading up to the meltdown, Britney was going through a public divorce, had two children under the age of two at the time, and that was very much the focus of the public. We all saw her on every every magazine cover. We also saw the photo of her with the one with, you know, she had the kids on the lap when she was driving. Go on to YouTube, and once you look up Britney Spears' paparazzi, you'll watch her be chased and followed by hundreds of them even trying to get into the public restroom to photograph her, videotaping her in tears, asking them to leave her alone, and even filming her through windows of an ambulance while she was naked and being taken away um, for a final mental health hold or what have you. After the public meltdown, shaving her head, locking herself in her home with her children, speaking in a British accent on a regular basis, wearing the infamous pink wig everywhere and shopping naked, she was hospitalised twice. After the hospitalisation, her father petitioned the courts to be a temporary conservator to her until she was mentally stable and for only one year's time. Two months after her hospitalisation, she did a guest appearance on How I Met Your Mother, Six months after her hospitalisation, she drops the new Womanizer video and starts to promote her new album Circus with its worldwide tour that grossed 131.8 million. If she's so unwell, why does she start working right away again? Her father, after one year, petitioned the courts for conservatorship to become permanent due to her allegedly having early onset dementia in her 20s. It passed and has been that way ever since for 12 years to be exact. So let me just explain to you what the whole concept of conservatorship is. You know, saying that now Britney's father is in that place. So conservatorship is a legal concept in the United States. A guardian or protector is appointed by a judge to manage the financial affairs and or daily life of another due to physical or mental limitations or old age. A person under conservatorship is a conservatee. So, what has happened is, Britney's dad, I guess, according to this post, Britney's father is in that position where he controls her finances, he controls her daily life, okay? Under the guise, you know, he's claimed, she's brought to the courts that Britney Spears has had, in her 20s, early onset dementia. Like, I don't know. Britney Spears has early onset dementia is, is what they're going for. Um... So it's just mad for me that, that Brittany has, you know, uh, as you know, as her father claims, early onset dementia. And this is why he has the conservatorship or whatever. This is why he's now in control of her finances and her daily life, whatever. That she's early onset dementia. Yet when she gets out of hospitalization, he, now the father who is in control. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All that has her promoting the new music video. Has her going on a fucking, or has her promoting like the, the Womanizer music video. Has her promoting the new album Circus coming out. And then six months later after hospitalization is going doing the circus, you know, world tour that brought in, what is it, was it, the 131 million? What have you? So something's not adding up because someone who's already on set dementia surely isn't going out and is doing the big worldwide tours and the albums and the videos, you know, six months after hospitalization. 
something's not adding up something is very very fishy here and the whole Britney Spears with the English accent thing I actually completely forgot about that and not to make light of what all the shit that Britney Spears is going through and you know what I am inclined to absolutely believe this is what's going on I believe that she's a prisoner in her own life but I, I did look up a clip of the, the Britney Spears English accent thing because I completely forgotten about it which I will play for you now <laughs> I know, it's like <laughs> she sounds like someone I don't <laughs> like Oliver Twist, and I don't know if that is like a point of madness or whatever. Remember, like it's like Britney Spears is definitely not the first person to adopt like the fake English accent. Like Madonna did it, Nicki Minaj did it, you know. So I don't know if that is like an inclination towards like or proof of her early onset dementia, which I'm just not buying. Um, anyway, the post continues. Now, for everyone that doesn't understand what that means, let me break it down for you. Britney Spears is now a 38-year-old woman who is not allowed to do the following without her father's permission, or you can legally lock her up in a mental health facility. So the, the following is a list of things that Britney Spears can't do, you know, without permission from her father. Drive a car, vote, get married, have children, spend her own money, see how her money is being spent, see her children... So she has 30% custody of both of her boys due to her dad assaulting one of her sons. Um, She can't leave her home, hire her own lawyer, have any control over her career, speak about the conservatorship publicly, do interviews that aren't scripted and all final cuts are approved by her father as well, use a cell phone without being monitored, use social media unmonitored, contact anyone without being monitored or having them extremely vetted. Iggy Azalea allegedly had her house search for drugs top to bottom when they collaborated on a song together. Go shopping, go for a walk, get Starbucks. A conservatorship is meant for people with mental health issues or decaying health, most likely grandparents or people with actual dementia, etc. They are meant for people who literally cannot take care of themselves. If she is so unwell, that she isn't mentally capable of doing anything for herself, why is she still working? Since the conservatorship began 12 years ago, she has released four albums, done three worldwide tours, did a four-year Vegas residency, was a full-time judge on X Factor, released multiple perfumes and lingerie lines, made about $138 million or so a year. In January last year, Britney was placed in a mental health facility for three months after being seen driving her car to an in and out with her boyfriend without permission and for refusing to take the sedating medications her father has doctors prescribing to her to keep her under control. She testified to a judge in documents that she is held there against her will by her father. After it was leaked to the press... Um, that she was there against her will, the Free Britney movement picked up speed, causing a judge to open an investigation into the impact and legality her conservatorship has on her life. Britney's mother, Lynn, was also liking commenting on Free Britney posts, saying she agrees that Britney is trapped by her father. Britney's team had Twitter disabled the Free Britney hashtag and regularly threatens any celebrities that speaks out using the hashtag with a lawsuit if they don't remove the support for the movement. Um, so it goes on to say she has been shortly or she's been seen shortly after leaving a hotel through the front door 99% of celebrities park underground to avoid paparazzi unless they want to be photographed stumbling while carrying her shoes and out of it her team used that moment to justify to the public that she needs the conservatorship or the conservatorship she's not allowed to have any say in the hiring or firing of anyone on her team every year she pays 1.1 million dollars in fees for the conservatorship to continue including paying her father a solid 100,000 plus a year salary and paying a lawyer she isn't allowed to choose she is allowed an allowance of around 1,500 dollars a week for bills shopping and essentials her net worth is 250 million US dollars. So the post goes on to conclude. So when everyone sees her on Instagram, walking up and down her hallways like it's a fashion show, 
That's all that she's allowed to do. She has never had any control over her own life. I don't care if you personally like her or her music, no one deserves this. All this woman wants is to see her children, make the music she wants to make and go get a frappuccino in her car. She is a light of sunshine in this world and we must protect her at all costs. So please do not make fun of her, protect her at all costs. So please do not make fun of her, support the Free Britney movement and send good vibes her way you guys, good vibes. She has a court date this month to review the conservatorship and decide if it's abuse, um, if it's abusive or will it continue to take place. There are so many details in this that I left out and they would make this post entirely much longer than it is. But a simple search will show you what else is out there. Spread this far and wide. Free Britney. You know, if you ask me something stank, something stank up in the Spears Manor for sure. Something stank. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. Something's going on with Britney Spears. I 100% believe that. I have no doubt that her father is like an evil puppet master in all this. And the, the whole free Britney thing is not something that I'm new to. It is a rabbit hole that I've fallen down many times. And there's a lot, a lot. This barely scratches the surface. Hopefully in a couple of weeks, myself and the Ikals will get together and make me do a, a deep dive into the free Britney movement and what have you. But I'm telling you, if you want to take an early dip into the rabbit hole of the Free Britney movement, it will blow your mind. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. Look into it. What I do want to play for you guys, and it's something that um, that Jenny played on that episode of the Ikaz, which you can go on and check out there on their podcast feed. The episode we did about conspiracy theories. Jenny actually, you know, found the clip of you know, what people believed was the, the fake voice that Britney Spears used and what her actual real voice is. And how they did this was, Britney Spears um, uploaded a clip around Christmas time of her singing a song by Elvis Presley. And it's in the typical baby voice fashion, but it sounds super artificial. So what people did was actually slow down the, 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 verse, the, the original video that she posted on her Instagram of her singing the song. And they believe that that is the real that's Britney Spears, oh, excuse me, Britney Spears' real voice is the actual slowed down version of this clip. So I'm going to play this clip for you now. And the first clip that you're going to hear is the original video that Britney posted on her uh, Instagram. And the clip that you will hear after it is the slowed down version and is what people believe is Britney Spears' real voice. Now you're going to hear the slow down version. Because you see, even when you just listen back to it, the first one sounds clearly edited, you know. It sounds clearly edited. It doesn't sound like Britney's there singing on the spot, which the video depicts. You know, it's just someone, maybe her boyfriend holding the camera, like walking around her as she's singing in her hallway. But you can hear it. Like, that is something that has some sort of autotune effects on it. It sounds so mechanical and synthetic, almost like an Alvin and the Chipmunk type situation. But then when that video is slowed down, to get, I guess, what people perceive as the real voice of Britney Spears, it sounds organic. It sounds real. 
I hope if that post was accurate in saying that there is a court case coming up where Britney Spears is going to, you know, potentially be able to fight it again and fight for her freedom. I hope she gets it. I really hope that she gets it. Final mind popper of the episode. I want to talk to you guys um, about some shady shit that is currently going on in China. And I know, I know, we've been talking a lot about China lately and it may feel like we're like China bashing or whatever with the whole conspiracy regarded to the coronavirus, which you know I buy into a lot. I absolutely do buy into the conspiracies around the coronavirus a lot. But what I want to talk to you today is about a particular group of people in China called the Falun Gong. The Falun Gong. So let me tell you a little bit about what this is first. It's it's almost like a, a religious practice, you know. So the Falun Gong emerged toward the end of China's uh, King Zhang Boom. King Zhang Boom. Not to be um, confused with the North Korean dictator King Jong Un. This is King Zhang Boom. So this was a period that saw a proliferation of similar practices of meditation, slow-moving energy exercises, and regulated breathing. Falun Gong combines meditation and King Jong exercises with a moral philosophy centered on the tenth of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. The practice emphasizes morality and the cultivation of virtue and identifies as a practice of the Buddhist school, um, though its teachings also incorporate elements drawn from the taste traditions, through moral rectitude and the practice of meditation, practicers of Falun Gong aspire to eliminate attachments and ultimately achieve spiritual enlightenment. So the, the, the Chinese government, as the story goes, saw the Falun Gong, you know, this movement in China of kind of spiritual enlightenment, they saw this as a threat to you know, communism is a threat to communist China. Um, so what they have done, they have made this practice, you know, illegal, I guess, for lack of a better word. They've banned it. Well, I mean, and the practice, I mean, it's not like it's out harming. It's not like, you know, doing, it's not, it's not a disruptive practice by any means, you know. <clears throat> There's no crime involved with this or anything. It's literally a, a spiritual practice. But for whatever reason, the Chinese saw this as a threat to, to the communism in China. So what they did was arrest um, all these people, gather up all the practice, <clears throat> the practitioners of the Falun Gong movement and put them into labor camps and into prisons and jails. And for no other reason other than they said this practice was outlawed. Again, you have to remember, China is not necessarily, you know, a democratic society at all by means of we know it like China is not a free country if even such a thing as a free country exists um so how I came about this this movement and and it gets it gets weird and I'll tell you why China has a very dark um attachment to organ donation okay there isn't a lot of Chinese people that are registered um, organ donors because there's a, a big belief amongst the Chinese people from what I understand that the body should be buried intact for I guess reasons of religion and afterlife the body should be buried intact so you don't have a lot of Chinese people signing up to be organ donors um, as far as I remember um, from reading it's about one in one million people that register as organ donors one in min- one million people one in one million people in China registers organ donors and you have to imagine that the massive population that China have of course you know there's obviously going to be a massive deficit of organs you know required for people who need transplants so what the Chinese government have been doing um, is using because I mean China still has um, the death penalty. So what China have been practicing um, up until they claim, up until 1984, um, they said that they stopped it then, was they were using the organs from uh, prisoners on death row. And they would extract their organs, you know, once they'd been executed. And then those organs would be used for people, you know, going into the hospitals who needed a transplant for kidneys, hearts, lungs, what have you, okay? Which already posed the question, were people being jailed innocently? Were they being executed, you know, even if they were innocent to harvest their organs? So I came across um, this Twitter thread by the Op Death Eaters, they're called, which is a subsidiary of the Anonymous 
um, organization and you'll know Anonymous um, they're kind of like the group of international hackers you know and they recently released um, or exposed Epstein's black book to us as might how you might have heard of them most recently of the, the work that Anonymous does so anyway I came across this thread the thread begins and they say the operators the opt-out either say that China began allowing organ removal from executed prisoners in 1984 so over the past 36 years this um, practice has expanded uh, to the point where it's now being it's running as like an international industry extracting organs tissues and collagen from human farms so China is basically put in place human farms for the extraction of organs tissues and collagens what have you <clears throat> so the whole thing is um, that the, the the people that they've that they've imprisoned, the Falun Gong, the people, the practitioners of Falun, the practitioners of Falun Gong, who have been imprisoned, and there are massive numbers of them, have been put into these camps. Okay, not necessarily for any crimes that they've committed. Like as far as we know, all these people are innocent of and free of crime. Um, <clears throat> but what China has been doing is harvesting this group. They have created a human farm and the practitioners, the practitioners of Falun Gong are killed on demand. They're killed on demand so that when someone comes and needs a transplant, they'll take one of these prisoners who are again, innocently imprisoned and if you know and how they'll select these the prisoners to die is okay, someone will come forward, okay, I need a heart transplant. So they, they run tests on all their prisoners um, these people who are innocently imprisoned, they run tests in all of them. So if, say, this guy, guy A, the, who's a prisoner, you know, he matches up so that he would be able to, you know, donate his lungs to this, you know, person, this consumer, then guy A will be brought to a room, he'll be executed and killed on demand because he will line up to be someone whose lungs would match up with, with, the, with the consumer. So he'll be killed and he'll have his lungs taken and given and the body disposed of burnt what have you the the Chinese government refused to give any autopsy reports they refused to give the body back for burial usually they'll send it straight away to cremation what have you so all these people have been locked up in China and China has created human farms so now that there is a demand because you see the, the the organ donation or the organ transplant business in China has now gone on to become a multi-billion dollar operation where you have like people traveling from abroad like people traveling from the states over now who will go and be like okay i need you know a transplant or whatever here like and they'll get their bloods done or whatever they'll run their bloods then in the database of all these human farms that they have over in china okay and they'll find a match and even though again like i said these people are innocently imprisoned they'll find the match that person will be taken will be executed just so they're just so their their organs can be harvested if that makes sense and um, this big whole thing going on um and china is not like the only country doing this like don't get me wrong but it is the only country in which the, the trade is openly state sponsored um and it's on a scale unmatched anywhere else so to give you an idea of of these innocent human farms um these people who who are murdered to have their um organs harvested in china to give you an idea of what it will go for because the the, the waiting time in china w- once you're coming over um as a consumer for a transplant it's astronaut astronomically no low compared to other places like if you wanted like say a liver transplant or a heart transplant or a kidney transplant say in the united states you could be waiting anywhere from two years to to four plus years in china if you're going over for a kidney for a liver transplant what have you you could be waiting days maximum weeks to get this transplant and it's absolutely unheard of and you've all these like human rights organizations looking at these statistics being like why how, how are you able to provide this when first of all we can see on record how many people in china are registered as organ donors and the number is astronomically low to the to the massive amount of organs that you're able to supply it's not adding up at all and, and china you know adamantly denies any involvement in this book but, but please, we know better than to believe a, gov- a government's denial, you know. We don't, we don't fuck like that. But so to give you an idea of what these people who are on these human farms, these people who have been kidnapped by the Chinese government, what their organs go for, for a US consumer, I'm going to tell you. So your corneas, the eyes, for a transplant, you will get that for 30 
US, 30,000 US dollars. For your lungs, the lungs go for around 150,000 US dollars. For the heart, the heart goes for around 130 um, US thousand dollars. The liver will go for around 98,000 US dollars and the kidneys will go from around 62,000 dollars. Um, in this thread, done um, by, by the anonymous subsidiary they, they talk about different case studies like for example in 2001 um, a Chinese doctor you know told the US Congress that he'd, he'd, he'd harvested organs from executed prisoners in China and removed the skin from a man who had not yet died he removed skin and corneas from the bodies of more than 100 executed prisoners in China between 1989 and 1995. You know, obviously after China said that they had stopped all these practices. But it's still going on and it's not even that. But from the human farms, there are reports that the um, that the that the cadavers, so, so the corpses, you know, from these human farms are actually then being sold as well. So even the remaining corpses are being sold as cadavers to different countries around the world, which then go on to be filled by plastic and are put in, I guess, like, you know, like museums, like the body exhibits and um, and what have you. And, and another case study, um, the, the dead eaters, so the, the subsidiary of Anonymous, they talk about a case study in 2005 where a Chinese cosmetics company is using skin harvested from the corpses of executed convicts to develop beauty products for sale in Europe. So China can manufacture, right, the same human collagen for less than 5% of what it costs in the Western world. So all these beauty products that we are using now, and we may not even know, okay, I got the the Chanel Hydra Nutra in front of me, okay, it's like 70, 70 euro for a little pot for this collagen face mask, okay, which I've been using and, and I like, what have you, but we don't know how much of this technology, the science, the collagen has been used from these Chinese human farms. We just don't know because like we said, of course everyone's going to buy in from China if China's able to to provide collagen for 5% of the cost of everywhere else in the Western world. You better believe that there's no big business out there that, that you know, that isn't going to China for this. Um, so in the report, they say, Peter Butler, a consultant, plastic surgeon and government advisor, said there had been rumours that Chinese surgeons had performed hand transplant using hands from executed prisoners. One transplant centre was believed to be adjacent to an execution ground. In quotations, I can see the utility of it, as they have access and no ethical objection, he said. The main concern would be infective risk. So it's almost like in America where we see the, the privatised prison systems, you know, where, where people who are being arrested are almost like a currency. So it's why we see so much of the African-American uh, population in incarceration. It's because the prisons have been privatised. So the amount of people you're getting into prison suddenly becomes more money. In the same way in China with these human farms or these, you know, executions, if you want to call them, um, whereas people are being sentenced or being guilty for oftentimes crimes that they didn't commit and are being executed at a convenient time to when there is a demand for their organs so that they can be harvested. Like a lot of what is going on in China right now is nothing more than human livestock, human organ farms. So in part of an investigation into this, into the, into the, I guess the humanitarian crimes by the Chinese government, um, especially in terms of the people who practice uh, Falun Gong, what people were doing, investigators were doing, they were calling up these these big Chinese hospitals and inquiring, obviously people from abroad, inquiring about coming for transplants. Um, and, and I'll read the, the transcripts, the short transcript of one conversation one investigator had with, with the doctor in one of these hospitals. I want to know how long the patients have to wait for a liver transplant. Dr. Dai. And that's D-A-I. Dr. Dai. The supply of organs we have, we have every day. We do them every day. Okay. Interviewer. We want fresh ones, alive ones. Dr. Dai. They're all alive. All alive. Interviewer. How many liver transplants have you done? Dr. Dai. We have done 400 to 500 cases. 
Your major job is to come. Prepare the money, enough money, and come. Interviewer. How much is it? Dr. Dye. If everything goes smoothly, it is about 150000 to 200000 Interviewer. How long do I have to wait? Dr. Dye. I need to check your blood type. If you come today, I may do it for you within one week. Interviewer. I heard some come from those who practice Falun Gong, those who are very healthy. Dr. Dye. Yes, we have. I can't talk clearly to you over the phone. Interviewer. If you can find me this type, I am coming very soon. Dr. Dye. It's okay. Please come. And the thing is, you guys, right? With, with, the, with, the, partition, with the partitioners of Falun Gong, they, they don't smoke. They don't consume alcohol. They have a very healthy diet and very healthy lifestyle full of meditation and all that, like, you know, very similar to a lot of Buddhist practices. So comparatively, the practitioners of Falun Gong compared to a lot of Chinese people are are extremely healthy individuals. And that is why that they are being harvested because they are healthy. They they are healthy organs. So it is just great. This is going on in China where people still to this day can go over and I remember there was a big a big report in Australia a couple of years ago in the Australian media where someone wrote about going to China for their transplant okay um and they knew the person going over they knew that their donor was being shot and executed the day that they went over um, and it was a black market it was a black market deal so not only is the government involved in it but now small you know little little smaller time criminals i guess are also getting involved in the black market whereas so in this report this person had you know paid for their transplant and was going over and this person was being executed you know not through the prison system ever this person was just being executed that day and that person knew that going over that that person the donor was going to be shot that day because you see with 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 transplants you you have a matter of hours really you know no more than 10 hours for most i think it's like eight for a heart where the living tissue has to be transplanted obviously taken from the corpse and then you know transplanted into into the host body i guess so that is why you should not be able to get transplant on demand because if you're getting transplant on demand it's fishy because it insinuates that there are people to be ready to be killed like that when you are ready, you know? So I'm telling you, and, and this is a lot deeper than what I went into now. There is documentaries on this and what have you. But the people, the Falun Gong people of China are being persecuted, are currently living in human farms. So by the mid-2000s in China, you could see that over one million practitioners of Falun Gong had now entered the labour camps, the prison systems, what have you. Over one million people the Falun Gong, who would never see the light of day again. And like I mentioned earlier with the whole, the whole plasticization of the, of the cadavers, um, <clears throat> and like, you know, like I've said, like Body Worlds, a place that I've been to um, in Amsterdam, it has a link back, all these, the Body World places, the Body Works, what have you, all has links back to China. And I'll tell you about this. And as well, for the record, um, a Chinese retailer will sell one of these plastinated bodies um, for around 21,000 US dollars. So believe me, there is money in the dead body. There's money in the cadavers. So, but I'll tell you the, a little kind of brief um, story of the body worlds as we know. So body worlds obviously was created by Van Hodgins and bodies the ex- exhibition. The latter show, he writes, is managed by Premier Exhibitions, a US entertainment company. But the bodies are provided by Professor Su Hong Jing. According to Gottman, the inventor Von Hagens, Von Hagens, whatever, opened a plastination factory in China in 1999 and hired Su as his general manager. Later, Su secretly set up his own factory and the men became rivals, leading Su to set up the bodies exhibition. After a man went... Um, after a man went on ABC's 2020-2008 to accuse Su of using executed Chinese prisoners, Premier placed uh, a sign at the entrance to their exhibitions admitting that the bodies they were used were received by the Chinese Bureau of Prisons and that Premier cannot identify or cannot independently verify that the bodies are not persons who are incarcerated in Chinese prisons. 
As for Von Hagen's exhibit, he had closed his Chinese factory in 2007, tearfully told 2020 he had unilaterally cremated all his Chinese uh, specimens, is what he said, and replaced them with Caucasians who had legally donated their bodies to science. So, potentially... The, the body world exhibits that we've gone to, if you've gone to it, if you've gone to the one in Amsterdam, I'm sure they did like a touring one in Ireland and I'm sure that they have, I mean, they're all over the globe. If you've been to one of them, there is, you know, a, a very good chance that the bodies that we have seen are bodies, you know, potentially from the Falun Gong, people from the human farms. And, uh, you know, it's very hard to talk to China about all of this because it's, 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 it's an independent country. You know, it's, it's very far removed um, and it does not welcome, you know, any kind of outside governance or what have you. But now you know that one of the dark secrets going on in China at this moment is that there is unequivocally i don't I, I don't consider this a conspiracy or what have you this is just a mind popper okay something to sit with but currently in china there are practicing human farms human farms where people are killed on demand for their organs innocent people if you want to know any more about the topics that we discussed today from free britney spears to the chinese human farms you know be prepared to fall down a rabbit hole because these are both dark dark you know, things that I have barely scratched the surface of. Very little, you know, that I can delve into within the space of an hour's episode here on the Mind Poppers podcast. There is a whole lot more to learn. So if you are so inclined, feel free to fall down the rabbit hole. Until next time, I am your host of the Mind Poppers podcast, Adam O'Reilly. Stay woke. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.